0: Welcome to localjobnetwork.com radio, which is the place for experienced and knowledgeable guests to share their insights on all things employment related. My name is Tim Yuma, and this is Technically Speaking, a podcast designed to examine the technology involved with possibly hiring, your career, and really just about anything else in the world of employment. For this episode, we're taking a look at hiring for technical positions, including some ways to find and develop the best talent. Now Joining LGN Radio to discuss this area is Eric Severinghouse. He's a CEO of Simple Relevance, which is an organization where technology is really at the core of their business. Eric, thanks for coming on the show today.
1: Hey, Tim, Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me.
0: Well, of course, technology all around us. People understand uh, you know, how it's incorporated in our daily lives as well as in our work. When we're talking about technical positions, is this a challenging area to find people who are equipped? Is it is it no different than any other position you're looking for? What would be your general take on that? I think
1: it's different. In a lot of ways, it's similar. Sure. Honestly, in a lot of ways, what we're looking for from a, a technical Hire is is similar to a lot of our other, um, to, you know, business development, marketing, et cetera, et cetera. So we're looking for some sort of a track record for success, and, and because we're you know a startup and a very entrepreneurial sort of company that's growing very fast, for us, what's absolutely critical in any sort of a hire is that they be able to take ownership, accountability, and sort of be self motivated, be able to take a leadership role in what they're doing. Our technical hires are a little bit different in that. You can oftentimes train somebody who, who maybe is a little bit more raw in some of the softer things. But if we're hiring somebody who is doing machine learning or predictive analytics, that person needs to be you know, pretty, pretty incredible when it comes to the statistics background, the ability to write code, some of these other things, right. stuff that they don't really have the time to learn on the job. So we tend to have a much higher screen around, are you coming in with the skill sets that you need in order to be effective?
0: Well, that lends us to sort of the question of, uh, you know, what type of people you're looking for. And a lot of times it comes up the uh, the thought of age, um, you know, maybe yep. a lot of, especially when you're talking about technology and you just mentioned you have to have a, a lot of this knowledge and experience, or do you? Because some people say, well, it's technology, aren't young people better equipped for that? When we're looking at average ages, uh, is there something in particular you're looking for? Does it matter? Where do you go with that?
1: No, I, I mean, you know, legally, you can't really consider age when sure. you're thinking about hiring somebody. And, um, and-, and In general, it doesn't really play into the conversation. There's a certain level of, you know, so there's certain things that age is oftentimes used as a proxy for. You know, whether it's uh, people that have more, quote-unquote, gray hair being more mature, or whether it's people who are, you know, quote-unquote, or who are younger maybe having, quote-unquote, more energy. Mm. You know, there's certain things that we're looking for. We want people who are mature. We want people that, that no matter what age they are, they need to have put code in production. They, have, they need to have maintained code that people in the real world use. You know, we, we want to see some of those kinds of things. Right. But for us, you know, if you're 50 years old and up to speed with, with what's happening in the technology world, or if you're 20 years old or, or 18, but have main, been maintaining an open source project for five years, uh, you know, either one of those are, are equally interesting to us.
0: Now, for somebody who, as you mentioned, maybe you, you need to have that experience in coding or possibly you, you've been working on something, but maybe on a, on a personal side of things, how does someone prove to you to even get that interview, say that, hey, I'm worthy of this, I know what I'm doing? Because anybody can write down, yeah, I know how to do this, I know how to do that. But is there a way sure. for them to prove it or do you, can you bring them in and have them sort of be tested? How does that all break down?
1: Yeah, we, uh, we test them when they come in. So, okay. so we want to see... You know, things like Python, we want to see, you know, a statistics background. We need to see some evidence of that on a resume or on a bio in order for somebody to even get the interview. But once they come in, we actually have a variety of problems that we ask that individual. And so, you know, it's not uncommon for us to stand, ask somebody to stand up at a whiteboard with a marker and to, you know, pseudocode out a specific problem that we might have. So we might ask somebody, you know, how to build uh, a a multiple-level sort of recursion algorithm that's going to solve a specific problem and, uh, you know, make sure that that they're able to at least have some knowledge of of what we're talking about. Right. I I guess the one other thing, probably the biggest thing that's changed in the last five or ten years is most credible candidates that we're looking at anymore have some reasonably significant amount of code that's out there in Git or in other repositories, or they've posted... Answers to Stack Overflow, um, or even very intelligent questions to Stack Overflow that show certain types of problems that they've been wrestling with. So, you know, what's probably different now in hiring technical talent than it was five or ten years ago is if somebody doesn't have, you know, a base of open source code out there, or, or they don't have, you know, specific projects they've been maintaining that they can show to us. Right. That's a pretty big flag for us, honestly.
0: Okay. No, that is interesting how, as you said, you can, you should be able to, in theory, find things out there already. But how about, I mean, looking for these individuals, trying to find talent? Are you looking at certain networking opportunities? Is there a, a strategy that your organization uses? Take us through that a little bit.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, I'm a big believer in in the idea of Moneyball and and sort of how those concepts were applied to baseball. I'm a huge baseball fan.
0: Oh well, you're uh, you're right up my alley then. So we can be best yeah, friends. Yeah,
1: but... big Cubs fan, unfortunately. Oh, so oh man, I feel a disappointment. Oh wow, um, well,
0: I'm a big Brewers <laughs> fan, so uh, anyway, we <laughs> well, won't at least
1: we got one from you last night. Yeah, we won't get into um, that now.
0: Anyway, go ahead.
1: <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so so when you think about sort of you know one of the the, the revelations of Moneyball, it gets into the idea of how do you find individuals that are sort of on the upswing of their career and pay them for future performance rather than past performance, right? Mm-hmm. You know, with Moneyball dealing with baseball, there's, there's certain elements of age that get into it. And, and, and again, that's not really a, a key functional area for us. But what we are looking at is how can we find talent in places that not everybody is off looking at it? And how can we sort of identify phenomenal individuals without trying to go pay, quote-unquote, free agent prices. Sure. So without trying to go hire them away from a Google or a Facebook, where these things you know, become prohibitively difficult, right? There's a variety of ways that we do that. So my, uh, my head of architecture, I actually found on Craigslist, of all places. Hmm. And it was one of those things where I was willing to sift through a lot of resumes in order <laughs> to get the one that was an absolute diamond you know, in Eli Albert, who's, who's just incredible but I found him not because he was on LinkedIn or because he was part of all the popular networking groups, but you know, I, I found him on Craigslist. On the flip side, we do a tremendous amount with our internship program, actually. So we bring typically anywhere from 15 to 30 interns oh, wow. in over the course of a summer, both business and technical. And what it allows us to do, so, so most of our technical team has actually been hired through our internship program. Okay. Individuals who come in, work with us over the course of a summer, or in some cases, a couple of summers, we're able to de-risk the opportunity for both parties. So when they come in, you know, they understand very well the incredible difficulty and the challenges of the problems they're going to be solving. They understand what the working environment's going to be. And we have a very good understanding of who that person is, what sort of talent do they bring to the team, all that kind of stuff. And so we found that to just be unbelievably successful. The, the individuals that we hire through that program end up doing very, very well with the organization.
0: Let's talk about that intern uh, internship program a little bit. Maybe give the listeners who are out there who maybe are looking to, to hire for these technical positions some of the other benefits that might come about for the organization, um, just what you've seen, what you've experienced with interns versus, again, trying to really go out and find this talent that might be, who knows, overrated, overpriced, as you said. Yeah. What are the benefits to the in- internship side of things?
1: I mean, for us, it's twofold. Number one, well, it's, it's really threefold. Number one is we just get a, a tremendous injection of raw talent and new ideas, right? So mm-hmm. we're growing fast as a startup anyway, but when you've all of a sudden got 15 people that come into the organization that are all trying to prove themselves, and they all understand that there's that very, very few of them, you know, maybe two to three of them will be given job opportunities. Right. So they're all trying to prove themselves to the organization they get senior leadership exposure, and they're bringing in completely new and different ways of thinking about problems. Mm. So that's one of the things that, that's always really refreshing. So we love just the, talent, the, the energy level and the raw perspective that they bring in. The second piece of value that we typically get from this is I'm consistently impressed with the quality of the work that they do. Having started, you know, a number of businesses when I was in undergrad and, and having built a lot of reasonably, you know, written a lot of reasonably sophisticated computer code when I was back in high school. Uh, Again, I I think the talent and and intelligence in a lot of these areas is kind of age agnostic. And so what we find is when we bring interns in and we treat them like adults and we give them substantial responsibility within the organization and really treat them as part of the team, Nine times out of ten, they step up to that challenge, and, and they really provide excellent work for us. Mm. The third, and, and arguably the most important aspect, and, and the thing that, that really causes us to invest the amount of time and energy that we do in this program, is uh, around identifying and vetting candidates that we're interested in hiring. Sure. And so, you know, again, allowing us to de-risk these people, allowing us to figure out exactly what makes them tick, getting them comfortable with our organization. So it's a, it's a combination of us vetting them, but you know, anybody that we want to hire who's any good. We're almost certainly going to be trying to fight off, you know, at least a half a dozen or a dozen other suitors. And so this gives us the the opportunity to sort of invest a little bit earlier on, get to know them before everybody else comes after them and tries to hire them. And as we build that relationship, we then use that to recruit the cream of the crop.
0: Now, when you're reaching out and looking for interns, I mean, are you actively searching for them? Do you get a lot of influx of applications? How does that process work?
1: All of the above. Okay. So um, I actually start pushing the senior leaders on my team, you know, right around probably the October, November timeframe. Okay. I start pushing them and saying, guys, what are we doing to, to start getting the, the talent pipeline, you know, for next summer, right? So everybody understands that it's their responsibility to reach out to different universities that we have relationships with, you know, all kinds of different places. There's a variety of services out there that will sort of match internships with, uh, with, you know, growing companies and and there's all kinds of different resources. We really try and take advantage of all
0: of them. Sure. With that said, um, just maybe as a general, um, obviously you've had a lot of experience in in running organizations and being at the kind of the forefront. Do you have any general hiring practices or suggestions that you would offer up that you've seen as being successful?
1: Oh man, you know, for me, there's no single silver bullet. I, I know certain people that have like, you know, these certain tricks that they find to be incredibly helpful. Right. I guess for me, there's a couple things. Number one, I try and be brutally honest.
0: Okay.
1: So, so being in a startup is not like having a different job. And I've written some blog posts about this. It's something I talk about a lot. You know, Being in a startup is a completely different investment of emotion, time, stress levels, I mean the amount of responsibility, it's it's just orders of magnitude greater than what it is in other organizations. Mm-hmm. I try and be brutally honest with individuals that are thinking about coming here about the difficulty, the challenge, the stress, the responsibility, all this stuff that's going to be sitting squarely on their shoulders. And and making sure that they understand it. The other piece of it is in as much as is humanly possible, we again try to de-risk this for both parties. So you know, sitting in an interview and explaining this, people oftentimes nod and and say, yes, I understand, et cetera, et cetera. If we're hiring somebody who doesn't currently have a job, we'll typically try and figure out a way to work out a consulting arrangement or or something similar where they can work with us for a month in a way that is kind of no strings attached. If either party doesn't like the other, then, hey, we part as friends and and it is what it is. If If we're hiring somebody who does currently have a job, I usually encourage them to at least take a day or two to come sit down and roll up their sleeves and work with us. Hmm. You know, if, if they're in sales, we'll have them go on a client call with us. Oftentimes, if they're if it's somebody we're thinking about in operations or, or for a technical role, you know, we'll have them sit there and pair code with us for a day. And you know, you can't tell everything from a day, but you get orders of magnitude more information about somebody after you spend a day with them, really working through the actual problems rather than sitting in a room and talking about how you would work through those problems. So. You know, as much as possible, we just we try and get as much information. We try and expose as much information as we can about the organization so that everybody really enters the relationship with eyes wide open. Mm -hmm. Uh, And and we find that that gives us the best chance to succeed.
0: And what's been the response of any candidates who, again, thinking of the ones who do currently have a job but are looking possibly to work for you? What's been their response when you ask them to maybe come in for a day and and sit down and, and work with you guys?
1: Every time we've ever brought it up, people are excited about it. Okay. It's funny, it actually was not something that I ever thought about until we had a candidate that we were really interested in, and he said, uh, hey, do you mind if I just take a vacation day and come roll up my sleeves and work with you guys? Hmm. And we said, yeah, sure, why not, man? Come hang out.
0: Right. And,
1: um, and it was, I think, such a great idea. We learned so much from it that it's really become part of our, our standard process. I mean, again, coming into a startup, it, it's so much different, than, a different than, than another sort of job. Right if somebody really recoils at the idea of taking a day off to to come see what it's like in the real world, you know, that that in and of itself gives me a piece of information about sort of what their commitment
0: and interest level is. Sure. No, I like that. And I like that you took something that wasn't even necessarily uh, in your guys' thought process and now you've run with it and you see it as being so valuable. I think that's cool that you were able to sort of shift gears with that.
1: Yeah. The, the biggest thing that we have to guard against is People think that coming and working for a startup is just sexy and cool, right? I mean, hell, there's now HBO you know series being made about Silicon Valley right. and all this other kind of stuff. They don't understand what the day to day grind is like, and mm. so you know the more that we can everybody sort of pays lip service to the highs and lows and some of this sort of thing, uh, but the more that we can expose them to that in a way that makes it real and visceral, and at the same time gives us the opportunity to evaluate how they perform in that sort of a culture, the more information that, again, it gives both parties.
0: Well, again, appreciate all the information. I think um, some nice insights here for our listeners. We are getting low on time, so I wanted to give you the chance here at the end to um, offer up any final messages, uh, if you want to mention maybe any developments within your own organization and where you see things going on the technical side. Um, The floor is yours here for the last 30 30 seconds to a minute, I should say.
1: Oh, fantastic. Thank you. Well, I, again, I appreciate the opportunity. You know, what I would just say is that in the world of, of technology, technical roles are, are just continuing to grow at an unbelievable rate. So, you know, we're looking for technical people in our development organization in data science, but even the people that we want to bring into account management and really especially sales. You know, what we're looking for is technical architects and, and people that understand technology and are able to bridge that gap to really create business value. So, you know, if, if I get the opportunity to make a shameless plug here, I would say that if anybody's interested in this, please feel free to shoot me an email to eric at I'd be more than happy to answer questions. And um, otherwise, again, I appreciate the time and opportunity.
0: All right. Well, there you have it. Again, that is Eric Severinghouse. He's the CEO of Simple Relevance. Eric, thanks again once more for coming on. Uh, again, a very interesting aspect of hiring and, of course, the hot topic of technology always on the, the front of people's minds. So thanks for coming on the show.
1: My pleasure. Thanks again, Tim.
0: And, of course, as always, if you're interested in giving us some feedback or if you have any thoughts on future shows, send an email to LJN at localjobnetwork.com. You can also find us on Twitter at the LJN. You can use hashtag LJN Radio to join in the conversation there. For everyone here at LJN Radio, I'm your host, Tim Muma. Take care, everybody.